From KTOO, I'm Katie Anastas. The Ketchikan Wellness Coalition was awarded a federal grant to combat the rising rates of teen drug use in Ketchikan. The grant is called a Strategic Prevention Framework Grant. It promises $375,000 a year for the next 10 years, with the intent of reaching youth in the community before they reach addiction. Jackie Yates is the coalition's executive director. She says they'll hire three new staff members with the grant money. Yates says they hope to build new youth mentorship and leadership programs, reaching all the way into the elementary school years. So we create this chain for the youth to see what it's like to be involved in the community at a very young age. It was a big part of my upbringing to know there is an element of community obligation, right? A sense of purpose within the community. You have this purpose, you have this voice in the community. It was instilled in me at a very young age. And how could we create this as a community as a whole so everyone feels a sense of purpose for the community? The coalition has partnered with organizations across the city, including Ketchikan Gateway Borough School District and Ketchikan Indian Community, as well as the Ketchikan Police Department on drug takebacks and what Yates calls positive ticketing. I don't know if anyone remembers when you were a kid or just a community member and maybe you were wearing your helmet riding your bike, you used to get a free ice cream cone from the police department. Similar to that, that's positive ticketing, but we want to amp it up a notch and maybe give out movie tickets or coffees for people who are doing good decisions and good things within the community. I'm really excited about just reinforcing positive behavior within the community. The grant is specifically focused on primary prevention, stopping drug use before it starts. Yates says that has a significantly higher rate of success than after someone's already addicted. But she says the coalition will continue to offer services to all members of the community suffering from addiction. Alaska has a historically high rate of job openings. It's part of a national trend, but made more pronounced by the state's declining population. That's according to a new state report, which concludes that this recent dynamic makes worker retention both more difficult and more important. Economist Dan Robinson heads the state's Labor Research Department and authored the report. He told Alaska Public Media's Michael Finelli that employers need to accept these constraints are the new reality and that they'll need to take steps to become more attractive workplaces. If you're a good employer, you will be, I think, quicker to say, what else can we do to make people want to stay? One of the reasons we tried to reinforce the idea of part of this being demographic is so that employers don't just think they can wait this out, that in a few more months, the, the, the chaos created by the pandemic will continue to ease and we'll be back to how we were before we can recruit the same way we always did. Uh, we can treat our workers the same way we always did. I, I think good employers will, uh, their, their, their advantage they came into this will grow. People will want to work there and people will know that they have new opportunities that they maybe didn't have before to find a good employer if they're unsatisfied with their current employer. Anchorage has a new uh, Amazon warehouse coming to it. I'm sure you've, you're aware of. Do you think that the $20 an hour they're offering is, is attractive enough for our market? It's not so high a salary that it's going to be easy to find those workers. It is pretty high. So 
hard to say. I don't know. Um, the the nature of the work will be important, and then people's perception. And I have no idea what people's perception, especially Alaska, Alaskans and people from Anchorage in particular, how desirable would it be to work for Amazon? For some people, it might be great. For some people, they might have uh, opposite feelings. I, I don't. That, to me, though, that will be that will make a difference in how hard it is for them to find those workers. So Anchorage is implementing a new uh, career pathways program where they're offering more like technical trade training. Do you think something like that could could help fill the worker shortage if you're if you're training more people to become skilled workers when they're young? Yeah, for sure. The training component, there's an imbalance in the numbers. In addition to that, you've got to have people with the skills that employers are looking for. Historically, there have been big projects in rural Alaska over a, a finite period, but there's a whole lot of money coming our way from the Infrastructure Act and from broadband. Um, even aside from that, uh, resource development, mining in particular, there's a lot of potential as we make the, the shift to some of the alternative energy sources that require some of what Alaska has. So if you're a heavy equipment operator, for example, or an electrician or a welder, some of those uh, occupations that that aren't college track necessarily, but unusually now that work will be especially valuable. There's, there's just a, a higher need than normal right now, and it's not likely to go away for at least a decade. That was state economist Dan Robinson talking to Alaska Public Media's Michael Finelli about the implications of Alaska's historically high rate of job openings. In recent years, more than two dozen Atu or Slingit clan property items have been repatriated to Wrangell clans, but hundreds more still sit in collections of museums throughout the world. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports on the ongoing efforts to bring sacred clan property home. A man crouches, swings his head, and growls through a wooden vocal magnifier in the small round doorway of Wrangell's Chief Shakes Tribal House. He wears a grizzly bear mask, one of the two dozen items returned to Wrangell clans in recent years from museums across the western U.S. It was part of a celebration, a kuik, to welcome the items home to the Nanya Ayi that took place in early September. Some of the items were part of a large collection amassed by former Wrangell educator Axel Rasmussen. Four had been seized from homes by Wrangell police in the 1930s. Repatriation is a slow and ongoing process. Museums from coast to coast hold atu, clan property of Wrangell clans, including human remains. Returns are facilitated through the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, or NAGPRA, a 1990 law aimed at returning and protecting Native remains, funerary objects, and sacred objects of cultural patrimony. I wish it was faster. Harold Jacobs works on repatriations with the regional tribal government, the Central Council of Tlingit and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. The tribe has received hundreds of thousands of dollars of federal support in recent years to help facilitate clan item repatriations. Central law says they have 90 days to respond to a claim. Last year, the Portland Art Museum returned nine clan objects to Wrangell's Nanya Ayi, which were taken from them in the 1940s. Clan members used some of the objects to lead dances at Celebration in 2022, the biennial festival of Tlingit, Haida, and Simsian cultures. Many other repatriations are in process. In early March, a museum in Maine published its intent to repatriate a Kiksedi clan helmet taken from Wrangell at an unknown date. 
That intent to repatriate came after representatives from the Central Council visited the museum in 2018. An item that belongs to the clan belongs to the whole clan, and it's supposed to remain with that clan. Khuntz, Richard Oliver, is a former tribal president for the Wrangell Cooperative Association of the Kayash Kiditan clan. Earlier this year, Oliver traveled with Harold Jacobs and others to New York City to see more than 100 Wrangell clan items in the Museum of Natural History and the Museum of the American Indian. Some of them, we don't know which clan they belong to, but we do know they came from Wrangell. Proving clan ownership is an important part of the repatriation process, but that can be tough when items are ancient. Kathleen Ash Milby is the curator of Native American art at the Portland Art Museum and an enrolled member of the Navajo Nation. She oversaw the return of the nine Nanya Ai Atu in the spring of 2022. And this case was actually kind of exceptional in a way because there was actually photographic documentation uh, going back to the late 19th century that show the items as clan property. Ash Milby says museums like the Portland Art Museum take dispossession seriously, but are working to shift the historical relationship with tribes. I think that having that federal law has really motivated museums to think more carefully about the relationships with Native communities and how they care for these objects, and also realigning their thinking about these objects as being something purely from the past and not something that's part of a living culture. That living culture is an important reason to pursue repatriation for Oliver, the former Wrangell tribal president. He says objects should be seen, appreciated, and enjoyed. We have a beautiful museum that really should be filled with the things that belong here. Wrangell's museum, housed at the borough-owned Nolan Center, has limited space. Tribal council members have publicly expressed concern about storage and discussed the possibility of building another museum to house repatriated Wrangell at U and those that come home in the future. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley.